Tonight on The Readout. I had the belief that I was gonna die. Like, my life was ending here. So I lunged at him and grabbed it with both my hands holding on for dear life. Sort of quickly aimed the gun at him and shouted, go away, I'm gonna shoot. Get out of here, go. For the first time, we're seeing and hearing about the heroic actions of the man who wrestled the gun away from a mass killer in California on Saturday night. Also tonight, we'll be joined by Florida historian Marvin Dunn, who sees what Ron DeSantis is doing to criminalize the teaching of African-American history, but says, we're going to keep on teaching it. Plus, Trump couldn't even muster the decency to get through the memorial service of one of his biggest fans. But the crowd didn't seem to mind being humiliated by their hero. And the vile display in Kentucky, as restaurant patrons are forced to listen to audio of the killing of Breonna Taylor, as one of the officers involved in her death was there to speak to a group of Republicans. We begin tonight by wishing those who celebrate a happy Lunar New Year, also known as the Spring Festival. The new year began on Sunday, kicking off more than two weeks of festivities around the globe from China to Korea, Indonesia, and Vietnam, as well as right here in the U.S. It is a time for family, for honoring one's elders and ancestors, for fireworks and parades, and elaborate meals that include longevity noodles to signify long life. For billions of people, it is by far the most important and most festive holiday of the year. But violence has shattered what should have been a celebration of life, good health and prosperity when a gunman opened fire inside a dance studio in Monterey Park, California on Saturday night. Police were dispatched 10 minutes later. Additional units requested multiple victims, gunshot wounds. Look, we're at 17 right now. I'm uh, still trying to get a hold of the number of critical. The shooter killed 10 people that night, including Mai Mihan, Lilan Lee, Xu Zhuan Yu, and Valentino Alvaro, and wounded 10 others. It is the worst mass shooting in the modern history of Los Angeles County. In addition to Nihan and Lee, three other women were killed, two in their 50s and one in her 60s. Five men were killed, three in their 70s and two in their 60s. Early Monday afternoon, an additional victim succumbed to their injuries, leaving the death toll at 11. The killer fled the scene and barged into another dance studio in Alhambra, but was stopped when one man, Brandon Say, wrestled the gun away from the suspect who fled in a white cargo van, according to witnesses. Sunday morning, law enforcement surrounded the van in a Torrance parking lot, where officials said the gunman shot himself as the officers approached the vehicle. Monterey Park is less than 10 miles from downtown Los Angeles. It's been described as America's first suburban Chinatown. It has such a dense and significant concentration of Asian voters that both state and presidential candidates regularly stump there. The shooting occurred amid a sense of constant fear for this particular community, a tragedy that hits harder given the ways that Asian Americans have been terrorized for the past three years. In just the past few weeks, a woman stabbed an 18-year-old Indiana University student while riding a public bus. She told a detective she did it because the victim was Chinese. In New York City, a man shoved a woman, then made an anti-Asian comment in an unprovoked attack 
on New Year's Eve. For many Asian Americans, there is an acute sense of terror at a time when many Americans, from women to Black Americans to the LGBTQ community, feel under siege. In this era of the gun, violence is terroristic. Americans are traumatized by gun violence. And when you think about it, that's exactly the point. It's how terrorism works. The stripping away of safety and psychological well-being replaced with fear of everyday life. The shattering of hopes for a new year. There is no facet of American life untouched by gun violence. Sometimes you even wonder if there is a day that can't go by without tragedy. We can't even bring you news of one shooting without including yet another. Today, two students were killed in a shooting at a Des Moines charter school. Join me now from Monterey Park, California's NBC News correspondent, Steve Patterson. Uh, and Steve, thank you so much for being here. We know that NBC News got exclusive video of the heroic acts of the young man who actually pulled that gun away from the shooter. But what do we know about the now deceased attacker of these two clubs? Uh, a whole lot more, Joy. About maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, there was an updated sheriff's department presser, and it told us a, a wellspring of information about the shooter and about the incidents surrounding the shooting itself. But I think it's more important to start with what we don't know, what we weren't told, which is what the primary question and focus of this investigation has to be at this point, which is why. Nothing so far on the motive. Police, of course, alluding to certain things and maybe targets that were inside of the ballroom behind me uh, that the shooter may have known, but they are not making those connections at this point. What they did tell us was a whole lot about a search warrant that they executed at the shooter's home in nearby Hemet, California, and they recovered a lot of materials related to the shooting. One of them, a 308 rifle, uh, computers. Uh, listen to this. This is harrowing. This is haunting to hear uh, that there was material inside his home that suggests that he was making homemade firearm suppressors. On top of that, an untold number of rounds in containers. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of rounds in this man's home. Um, besides that, inside the van that you showed earlier, there was another gun and some clothing. And then police confirming at the scene here, the ballroom here in Monterey Park, 42 rounds were expelled. They found those rounds in and outside of this scene. Meanwhile, uh, you know, police continuing to investigate this. One of the things they're looking at in that video that you're showing right now is the weapon that was recovered there at that second scene. Police confirming, you know, they said earlier that this was an assault style pistol. Right. It had an extended clip would have been illegal in the state of California. Police confirming in that press conference not too long ago that that is, in fact, a Mac 10 uh, known to be a very destructive weapon, as mentioned, illegal in the state of California. Police making that, of course, part of the investigation. Separately, our investigative unit has confirmed a few things. One is that evidence suggests that this is a personal motive, not that this is hate crime or terrorism. You might imagine that with the shooter being 72 years old, known to this community. We know that at this point, but they haven't gotten to the bottom of why it is the persistent question that investigators will focus on until this all wraps up. Joy. NBC's Steve Patterson, thank you. Let's bring in the mayor of Monterey Park, Henry Lowe. Uh, mayor Lowe, thank you for being here. I, I do want to start by asking, how is the community doing? And have you talked to any of the families? Hello. Uh, thank you very much for having us on your show. Uh, well, uh, right now, uh, there is just a lot of disbelief, a lot of hurt, a lot of shock uh, that this 
uh, awful incident happened in our community. And you know, oftentimes when one reads about it or watches uh, headlines about shootings, it is often thought of, well, it happens elsewhere, not in your own community. And so it is just a, a tragic occasion for Monterey Park. Um, and as for the victims, um, I have not yet had the opportunity to speak to the victims uh, and their families yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that there's been a heightened sense of awareness in Asian American communities throughout the country, um, regardless of region, um, because of the increased violence that we've seen against Asian Americans over the last three years um, during the COVID pandemic. Was was Monterey Park subject to that kind of increased security? Was there kind of an increased security posture in your local businesses going into Lunar New Year? Um, well, my park, like many communities um, uh, in the United States that have large Asian populations, have been reeling uh, from the uh, dramatic increase in anti-Asian sentiment, um, anti-Asian hate, uh, because of xenophobia and, and really uh, anti-Asian racism. And so going into Lunar New Year, uh, you know, our uh Police department uh, was in uh, full force, and um, if you were uh, there at our Lunar New Year festival, um, you, know, you you would have seen our police department that was out um, patrolling, making sure that uh, the community was safe. Also, because uh, we had not held the Lunar New Year festival in three years because of the pandemic, and so we knew there would be a large turnout, and I believe it was probably like. Uh, over 100,000 attendees um, to this weekend's uh, opening ceremony and festival on Saturday. And I wonder if you could sort of, I mean, I think we can all imagine how something like this would impact us if it happened in our neighborhood, how frightened people would be. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could sort of give us a sense of what the recovery looks like uh, for Monterey Park. What are the steps that are being taken? Um, is there counseling being offered for folks? Are people able to find somewhere to sort of publicly grieve together? Like, what are the steps that are being taken um, to try to recover? I know it's been uh, only a couple of days. Sure. No, thank you very much. Um, we have established a crisis resource center um, at our senior center and um, uh, residents um, and anyone who seeks uh, counseling and assistance during this time uh, can get the information on our website. It's at our uh, senior center. Uh, we have also established a memorial uh, for those uh, who, from our city hall who uh, want to uh, leave flowers and also a memorial uh, had been created in front of the dance hall. In fact, I had a chance to um, pay a visit uh, to this um, afternoon, uh, you know, and, and see uh, people from uh, far and near, people who are familiar with the dance hall, looking flowers. Um, I also believe that there is a, a community GoFundMe uh, site um, that was created to assist the victims and their families. Um, also, tomorrow night, uh, we will be holding a vigil at City Hall at 5.30 p.m. for the community to come out and to express their grief um, and to just gather the community to, uh, you know, talk about and reflect about this tragic event, uh, which has left all of us in disbelief um, and confusion about why this has happened. Yes, indeed. And, and we share that disbelief. Um, and we uh, certainly are keeping Monterey Park uh, in our thoughts, in our prayers. Monterey Park Mayor Henry Lowe, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Let's bring in Chester Chong, chairman of the Chinese Chamber of Commerce in Los Angeles, sir. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, I want to ask you to put on your, uh, I know you were a res- you reserve commander uh, for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department at one point. So if you could just put on your law enforcement hat for just a moment, I wonder how you process what happened. Um, this is an apparently an Asian American uh, elderly shooter who went on uh, what can only be described as a rampage on, you know, what should have been the most festive day of the year for so many people in your community. How do you process what happened um, in Monterey Park? Uh, the first, Trump, first thing I, I want to clarify um, with the, the, the commander in the department, all because yeah, we, we have to understand uh, as a, a civilian, I'm a representative of the, you know, the citizen, like, kind of, uh, like the uh, uh, Chinese uh, chamber of commerce, as the, I, I want to be, understand people, understand we have to be safe. We need to save. We need the police or law enforcement to protect the citizen. That's what I really want to talk about. We need to support the law enforcement instead of, you see, the gun everywhere. That's why personally, it's not representative of anybody to say, for me, it's against the people too easy to get a gun. That's hard to, you know, to manage the people to uh, make sure they safe to use the gun. I believe all the gun users have to be professional, have to be well trained. That's all my comment for the 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 you know all the incident. This is a once and once again. I believe we need to change the policy. Well, I, I wonder how you recover Hello? a sense of safety, because this attack did come from uh, within the community. And we know, but it's in an atmosphere where there have been so many attacks on Asian-Americans throughout the country. And given the fact that you do represent the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, life does need to move forward. But it feels like, you know, what are the steps to try to do that uh, in a community where this has happened? Uh, yes, of course. It's our community, we always mention about we staying in an unsafe country right now. We we love our country. We love America, but we need the safety. We need the people do more, you know, support the law enforcement, support the people to work together. And also the hate crime, we understand. We need to more understand each other. We need the peaceful, uh, you know, city and society. That's why I really want to mention, uh, personally myself, I respect everyone. Uh, I don't care what you do, uh, you're poor or rich. That's important to teach people to learn to how we respect. And doesn't matter what culture you're from. As a Have I lost you? I think we lost, I think we lost your, okay, I think we lost the feed. Oh. Yeah, okay, because uh, in the Zoom, I'm sorry, it's on Zoom, so I thought the script. So I I, I mentioned, we we all need the safety society. So we need to And last question, do you think, do you believe? uh, Hello, yes, the the both party, like, yes, please. Well, very quickly, do you also think that includes stronger gun laws? We know the gun that was used in this was a likely illegal in the state of California. Would you want to see stronger yes. gun laws as part of that change? Yes, absolutely. This is a simple answer. Absolutely. We need to make sure the people can get even. You know, it's only the law enforcement or necessary person, personnel to have a well-trained to using the gun. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I think we can all agree on that. Chester Chong, thank you very much. Appreciate you 
tonight. Um, and don't go anywhere. Marvin Dunn, the Florida professor who is defying Ron DeSantis' crackdown on the teaching of African-American history. Well, he joins me next. Stay right there. We want to do uh, history. That's what our standards for, for black history are. It's just cut and dried history. You learn all the basics. You learn about the great figures. And, you know, I view it as American history. I don't view it as separate history. <laughs> we told you last week about the latest move by Governor Ron DeSantis to control the type of education that Florida students can receive. Rejecting an advanced placement course in African-American studies, claiming it was, quote, contrary to Florida law, and if you can believe it, significantly lacking educational value. We see and hear you, Ron. The law he refers to seems to be the Stop Woke Act, which basically gives DeSantis the power to downplay the actual racial history of our country to appease those who look more like, well, Ron DeSantis. For many teachers, this assault on the education system is instilling fear of teaching the true history of our country and even Florida's history of racial violence, as depicted in this dystopian ad from the advocacy group Equality Florida. I have a dream. My four little children will be judged by the content of their character. I have a dream. Miss George, why is this part crossed out? But there are some in the state who refuse to back down, like Marvin Dunn, one of the preeminent historians in Florida, who is saying, bring it on. Dunn, a professor emeritus at Florida International University, is taking it upon himself to, as he says, teach the truth by leading statewide tours of high school students and their parents to the sites of some of the worst racial violence in Florida's history. Sites that some of these students say they have never heard about in their own classrooms. Dunn is also one of the eight plaintiffs in a lawsuit over the Stop Woke Act law. He told the Washington Post, quote, listen, if there is such a thing as the woke mob in Florida, I aspire to lead it. Professor Marvin Dunn joins me now. He is the author of A History of Florida Through Black Eyes. And I have not seen this uh, wonderful gentleman in many years. It is good to lay eyes upon you, Professor Dunn. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Joy. Good to see you again, too. Great to see you, too. So your book is called A History of Florida Through Black Eyes. Uh, it contains photos that were unearthed over 50 years of research documenting lynchings and other crimes against black folks in Florida. Um, you also donated a collection, 4,000 photos to uh, FIU, Florida International University, which I know very well. Is your book, in your view, in, in your mind, as you understand this, quote, Stop Woke Act, is it legal to teach your book in Florida schools? Oh, no. No, no. If, if, if a teacher in Florida schools was caught taking this book to school, he or she could be fired, could be charged with a felony. Uh, this book is not allowed in Florida schools because it touches on the very things that DeSantis wants hidden uh, from Florida students. So no, this book is not admitted, could not be admitted into the uh, Florida classroom. That's part of what we're facing here in this crisis. And you, you know, um, say, tweet. Go on. I was just going to say, I was teaching at Florida International University before Ron DeSantis was born. Now he sidles up to me and tells me what I can't 
teach in my classroom? Excuse me, sir, you're not my boss. You're not the boss of me. Uh, this man, when he taught school for a very brief period of time, some of his students claimed that Juan DeSantis taught the Civil War as if the Confederates had a point. They had they lost property. Some of his students said that Ron DeSantis taught them that uh, abortion was wrong. Now, he's teaching this in his classes, his political agenda, his personal agenda. Now he comes as governor and tells us we can't teach unless uh, we respect uh, what he prescribes as very, very rigid rules of, of academic freedom. Uh, he's a hypocrite. He's an absolute hypocrite. And what he's doing, frankly, is just totally destroying education in Florida. I, da I dare this man to show me one school in Florida where critical race theory is being taught. Just one school. One school in Florida where students are being told feel bad because of something someone did 20 years ago. Where is that happening, Ron? He cannot point out. Where, this is all made up. It's fake. Aimed at getting him to the White House. This man is running for president and using race as a cudgel to beat the votership over the head. To, to your very point, I mean, the things that they claim are their concerns, because you've already had uh, Florida's, coll Florida's college board um, rejected, um, the African-American studies course rejected. You've had Florida schools that are under the, you know, sort of the regime of the governor come back and say, no, 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 we promise we're not teaching critical race theory in our schools. As you said, they don't, that they've already backed down and said that they won't do it. You actually went right at Ron DeSantis. Um, you are one of the members, uh, one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit that is trying to challenge the Stop Woke Act. Uh, you tweeted references to your own family's history at Ron DeSantis. And you said to him, this is the history of my own family. These are the things that we de have dealt with. Um, collecting used books from all white schools because they couldn't uh, be allowed to have new books. Um, being on the migrant trails in the 1940s, your father not being allowed to be a cook in the Navy during World War II because he was black. Have you received a response from Ron DeSantis uh, on the challenges you put forward about your own history? Not a word. I wrote to Ron and to Manny Diaz asking them, what kinds of things am I not allowed to teach? How am I supposed to teach the Holocaust without feelings? How am I supposed to teach slavery without feelings? How am I to explain to students a woman having her beta snatched from her and sold out to someone else and not express my sense that that's evil? So what we're being asked to do is to super sterilize American history, to take race out of it and act as if race wasn't a factor. If DeSantis had his way in the teaching of slavery, for example, slavery in Florida would be taught uh, some Africans came over, worked for free for a while, and that was it. That's slavery. Lynching. Some, yeah. some people took some people and, and killed them. That's it. Take the race out of it. He is so determined to kill our history uh, that it just makes me and others even more determined uh, to save it and to protect it. I don't, I don't uh, uh, shrink from DeSantis. Uh, he is a bully. Uh, he is a, he's an autocrat. And he's a little guy trying to become a big guy. He's a baby Trump. And I think the people of this country will recognize that, particularly when they see what he's going to do to our schools if he becomes president. Well, and I will note that Manny Diaz, for those who don't know, Manny Diaz Jr. is the secretary of education. He's the commissioner of education in Florida. He is the one who praised the colleges, including two that have black presidents who put out this sort of, you know, statement of, of kneeling to Ron DeSantis saying, no, no, don't worry. We won't teach anything about critical race theory in our schools. I want to point out some of the things that they that Manny Diaz put out a statement objecting to. 
teaching and reading bell hooks, teaching and reading Kimberly Crenshaw, who is because of her connection to intersectionality, teaching Angela Davis, a seminal figure in African-American and American history. I could go on. Do you believe that because of what Ron DeSantis is doing, and it's seemingly his personal um, objection to the idea that there was racism in America and that it should be taught, do you think that's going to make Florida students less attractive to colleges around the country and less educated? It should. It should. It should and will cripple Florida students because they're going to go to colleges and universities that have been that have been steeped in this history. And our students are going to be lost. They'll know where they have no idea where to begin to understand American history, African American history in particular, after going through the DeSantis type uh, uh, education program in Florida. It would be a tragedy uh, for our university system to be destroyed by this man. He's after tenure now with professors. He tried to tell, ask universities to, to tell him how much money they're spending on diversity. Why does he want to know that? Why does he wish to know that? And I want to know well, who in the Department of Education said that this this this, this education uh, was uh, that the that the AP course was inadequate. Uh, did a yeah. black person make that call? I will, I will point out that this, that this it was not. And I, I we're going to find that out. And I can tell you that one of the people who helped create this curriculum that's now illegal in Florida is Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr., who, like yourself, sir, is a seminal scholar of American and African-American history. So apparently that is banned in Florida because Ron DeSantis is offended by the idea of black history being taught in his state. Professor Marvin Dunn, thank you, sir. It is wonderful to see you. Thank you. And keep fighting. Still ahead, Donald Trump tries to turn a memorial service for Diamond. Remember Diamond from Diamond and Silk? Into one of his unhinged campaign speeches. And go figure, it all went completely off the rails. More on that next. Over the weekend, a memorial service was held for Enitha Lynette Hardaway, better known as Diamond, of the pro-Trump internet duo Diamond and Silk. The service took place in Fayetteville's Crown Theater, a venue that seats over 2,000, though only around 150 were in attendance, including My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell, Pastor Mark Burns, and even Donald Trump, who gave a eulogy that sounded a lot more like a campaign stump speech talking about election conspiracies and slamming the left, even complaining about the length of the service, saying he was told it would only be 15 to 20 minutes they'd want from him, in and out. Trump also at one point claimed that he never met Diamond's sister, Silk, despite the fact that he had done several events with the pair during his campaign and presidency. Here he is hugging them both at the White House in 2019. See that Silk there, Trump? At another point during the memorial event, Silk insinuated that her sister's death was the result of the COVID vaccine, even though Diamond was a noted anti-vaxxer who never publicly said she received the shot. And there was no evidence that the vaccine causes death whatsoever. But that didn't stop Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from tweeting out a video of those claims with the caption, I demand an immediate investigation into COVID vaccines and the dramatic increase of people dying suddenly. Space lasers. Not only is that completely false, it's downright dangerous, especially since it's coming from one of the most powerful members of the House of Representatives right now, because Green actually has the power to do that kind of thing if she wants to, all thanks to her new best friend, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who apparently feels as though he has an ironclad bond with the Georgia Congresswoman in QAnon. 
New reporting today from The New York Times says days after McCarthy won the gavel, he told a friend, quote, I will never leave that woman. I will always take care of her. Joining me now is Dana Milbank, political columnist for The Washington Post. And Dana, let me read one little quote from this Washington Post article because it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, Green has taken on an outsized role as a policy advisor to McCarthy, who has little in the way of a fixed ideology of his own and has come to regard the Georgia congresswoman as a vital proxy for the desires and demands of the right wing base that increasingly drives his party. He's adopted her stances on opposing vaccine mandates and questioning funding for the war in Ukraine and even her call to reinvestigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol uh, to show what she has called the other side of the story. So, in fact, is Kevin McCarthy the speaker or is Marge the speaker? Well, you know, I don't want to get into conspiracies, Joy, but it seems to me obvious what happened here and that Kevin McCarthy was hit by a Jewish space laser. Uh, that was directed at him uh, by Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's the only way I can explain it. Look, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is essentially uh, the Speaker of the House. George Santos is essentially the Speaker of the House. Matt Gates is essentially the Speaker of the House. When you have this kind of uh, four-seat majority, any one member in your party uh, controls the balance of power. Uh, so uh, he has to uh, placate each and every one of them. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, uh, rallied uh, people to uh, Kevin McCarthy's side. She was called a Benedict Arnold by others uh, on the right for doing that. Um, but, you know, he is leading a conspiracy uh, caucus to a, a great extent. So if it weren't Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's any number of dozens of other ones uh, along those lines. In fact, she is, if anything, sort of become more of a uh, mainstream uh, member of this party. It, you know, the, we have to say the, the mainstream gets defined a little bit uh, more to the extreme with each uh, subsequent election. Well, I'm right. I mean, look, George Santos made up his entire life, but so did Donald Trump. Donald Trump was not a billionaire. Donald Trump was not successful at running casinos. He failed at them. Donald Trump did not graduate first in his class at, you know, in, in high school or in college and didn't go to Wharton Business School. Like, none of that was true either. So, right, it strikes me that, you know, now that George Santos is, you know, or Imar, what is his name, Imara, when he was doing drag, but he says, well, I was just having fun doing drag. So, like, every, they just adjust. And, and I think you're right. How do you argue that Marjorie Taylor Greene is not the median and mean Republican, at least in the right. House. And I'm not sure if she's not the median and mean Republican, period. Right. Yeah, I think she's a very rational response for what has become an utterly irrational uh, party. Think about it. If you're watching uh, Fox News night after night, you're being told uh, that the vaccine kills you. You're being told to be afraid of history, as you were uh, discussing in the previous segment. You're being told to be afraid of uh, M&M uh, candies. Uh, there's, you know, there's virtually nothing you shouldn't be afraid of. Now, Tucker Carlson is out there saying, uh, you know, why are they trying to keep nicotine away from you? It's, you know, there's something sinister about that. He's essentially encouraging his viewers to smoke cigarettes after encouraging them not to get the vaccine. So, uh, you can, you can understand why so many people out there are confused. The Fox News base has been completely baffled by one conspiracy theory uh, after another. So Marjorie Taylor Greene with her Jewish space lasers is essentially a rational response to that. Right. I mean, I mean, you think, I mean first of all, what do you have against sexy green M&Ms, Dana? I that mean, was my they favorite. just want to kick up their heels. 
Well, I mean, apparently it was um, Tucker's girlfriend. And so he's very upset that she went away. I mean, but Eminem backed down and they said they won't they won't they won't have not they won't have the sexy M&Ms, but they'll just have a real lady instead. But she's black. So I don't think Tucker will will be into her. But let's go back to to the to the House of Representatives. To me, as you said, to be to take it seriously, the base of the Republican Party is white non-college Americans and white non-college Christians evangelical Christians who are shrinking in number. They represent maybe like a third of the adult population. And they look out there and they see a world that is becoming more modern, where women are out of the home working, where LGBTQ people are out, where trans people are are, are out in public. And there's a fear. And it does Mm -hmm. feel like the politics of the Republican Party is chasing that fear. And so, yeah, if you're somebody that believes that there's a cue and that there's this person, this cue that can fix it and Trump can fix it, Mm -hmm. like you said, it it almost feels like that is the natural response of a fear-based political party. Right. And and their leaders are saying, you should be afraid. And here's why you should be afraid. And we're going to give you other uh, reasons why to be afraid. You should now believe uh, that you've been injected uh, with a vaccine uh, that is not only uh, killing you, that, uh, I mean, uh, is, is potentially, uh, you know, some sort of way of controlling uh, your mind. Uh, we have uh, uh, Paul Gozar, formerly a dentist, now another member of the conspiracy caucus, warning about fluoride uh, in toothpaste. So if you are the non-college educated uh, white man in uh, middle America, you are afraid that you're losing your place in the culture. Uh, that's that's sort of a normal uh, fear to be had when the, the, the complexion yeah. of the country is changing. What's not rational is their uh, ladling on top of all of these the wild conspiracy theories and saying that's yeah. the reason you should be afraid. And the problem is, is that they can't win a national election that way. So then they get more angry because they put that up to the national public and the broad public says, absolutely not, elects a Democrat. And then we get the cycle going back around and around again. Dana Milbank, uh, thank you very much. Always good to see you. And up next, Republicans subject restaurant goers, get this, in Kentucky, to shocking video and images of the botched police raid that led to the death of Breonna Taylor. Seriously. We'll be right back. Diners at a Greek restaurant in Bowling Green, Kentucky, were enjoying their dinner last Tuesday until they were subjected to graphic police body camera footage from the night Breonna Taylor was shot and killed by police, wielding a bogus no-knock warrant. It was part of an event held by the Republican Women's Club of South Central Kentucky, who were hosting John Mattingly, one of three police officers who fired shots during the raid of Taylor's apartment. Mattingly was hit by a bullet fired by Ms. Taylor's boyfriend, who quite logically thought intruders were entering the apartment. Restaurant patrons were forced to hear and watch that heroic scene. One told NBC News that she heard actual gunshots in the videos and that they showed footage of Taylor's body, saying words can't even describe how absolutely disgusting it is what this group put on. Neither the Republicans of Kentucky nor the local Republican Women's Club has responded to NBC's request for comment. But the local club told Spectrum News before the dinner that, quote, these events may be controversial. However, we believe Sergeant Mattingly has the right to share his experience. That's something Mattingly has certainly done enough of, taking advantage of the killing to turn himself into a conservative media darling, doubling down on the events of that night. 
A few months after Taylor's death, he wrote an email to his colleagues saying, quote, I know we did the legal, moral and ethical things that night. It's sad how the good guys are demonized and the criminals are canonized. He's gone on Megyn Kelly's show to attack the way media covered the case and to promote the book he's selling to profit off his role in the death. And he has a penchant for lawsuits, filing one against Taylor's boyfriend for assault and one for defamation against an attorney for calling Taylor's death a murder. Joining me now is Ryan Dearbone, president of the Bowling Green Warren County branch of the NAACP. Mr. Dearbone, thank you for being here. I do want to read part of your statement on the incident And it said the following, it is beyond reprehensible to subject anyone, let alone children and customers of African-American descent, to such indecent exposure, graphic and upsetting images while they were attempting to enjoy their meal. Are are you aware of um, how many patrons were in that in that restaurant, in that Greek restaurant, and whether indeed there were children and African-American children at that present? So to our best estimation, there were about 70 people that were downstairs in about 80 people that were part of the Republican Party group. So we don't know that there were any children there, but we do know there were at least two African-Americans in the room that were subjected to hearing the sounds and having to uh, having their meal interrupted with something that they were not aware of when they first walked in the doors. Now, and I just for those we were having a little bit of a Zoom of a Zoom issue with you. For those who didn't hear, you said there were about 70 to 80, you said, patrons in the restaurant enjoying their meal and about 80 people at the event. Yes, ma'am. Okay, And so what is the response in the community? Because there were protests outside. There are protests actually going on tonight, um, protests uh, at the restaurant. My understanding is this. These are the protests that are, uh, took place tonight, uh, really in this hour. My understanding is that this was the second choice <clears throat> of this group of where to hold this protest. Is that true? Yes, ma'am. Initially, they were supposed to be at the Bowling Green Country Club. But as some of the pressure rose from the statement we had put out initially denouncing the event, they ended up canceling. The country club said, no, we don't want to have you here for this event. So Anna's Greek Restaurant was the second choice. And that's where they had the event at the last second. And do we know if uh, Ms. Taylor's family has responded to what took place? Not to this point. We haven't had contact with her family, but in the coming days, we hope to talk to them as we complete our investigation of this entire event. You know, Mattingly uh, has blamed um, Ms. Taylor's boyfriend, who heard someone banging on the door. Someone busted in and he believed it was an intruder. And so he, bearing, using his right to bear arms, fired into the dark at what he thought was an intruder, hitting Mr. Mattingly. Mattingly has used that to essentially portray him as a criminal and Breonna Taylor as a criminal and to make himself seem like a hero. This group seemed to agree that this person is a hero. Have they responded to the NAACP to explain why? they are treating a police officer who killed an innocent young woman who'd done nothing, broken no laws, why they're treating him as a hero. They haven't. And that's kind of the thing that we want to find out. They say that they want to have uh, an open dialogue with somebody who was there at that night of the incident. Why not bring out Brianna's mother? Why not have other people that are there? So we want to find out why it was important for them to have Mr. Mattingly there and why this was uh, a thing, because this is something that should that should have a different context. And having him to be there to promote his book or to talk about uh, the situation, the circumstances, we we feel is very disgusting to be able to do that.
And I, I can tell you that there, there's a reason why we're not showing any any images of the book. We're not going to try to help him sell a book off of all of this. Uh, my my my, uh, my last question to you: Do you know of any current elected officials um, who attended this event who are sitting elected officials? We know that the um, the uh, the uh, the attorney general, the the top law enforcement officer of your state, actually is the one who justified these shootings, only convicting one person or prosecuting one person who shot in who's a, a shot a bullet that wound up in a white residence apartment wall and actually refused to even prosecute those whose bullets ended up in black neighbor's walls. He was very deliberate in saying just the bullet into a white patron's wall um, was the crime. Was he there? Was anybody else, any local officials there, Kentucky officials? He was not there. And we have not been able to determine of any other local officials that were there. That's part of the investigation to find out exactly who was there and who helped bring Mr. Manningly to this event. Uh, please keep us apprised of any developments in this. And if you do ever hear back from that organization, and we will do the same. Thank you, Ryan Dearborn. Appreciate you. Up next, Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego makes it official, launching his bid to replace Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. Why, this is a very, very big deal after this. Remember Martha McSally, the short-term appointed Republican senator from Arizona? In 2018, she ditched her moderate image to bear hug Donald Trump. And in a second failed attempt, ran what was dubbed the worst campaign in America. The Congresswoman, then Congresswoman Kirsten Sinema, defeated McSally in a nail-biter that year by a little more than 55,000 votes. Now, Senator Sinema's tack to the right in office seems to reinforce what Arizona progressives tried to tell us. Among the hits... Thumbs down to an increase in the federal minimum wage, but thumbs up to giving gifts to Wall Street cronies and Democrats spending bills and opposing changes to the filibuster for federal voting rights legislation. And Sinema's choice to ditch the Democratic Party to become an independent sure seems like an acknowledgement of weakness ahead of a potential 2024 Democratic primary. Her opposition to voting rights has been especially confounding to Democrats since she's called the legendary John Lewis her hero and a dear friend and is a slap in the face to the more than 1.1 million Latino eligible voters in her state, and comes as Arizona Republicans pushed bills that would have disproportionately suppressed Latino votes after the state went blue in 2020. But as a guy named John Jones at a thing called the Readout blog notes, Arizona's demographic changes aren't lost on cinema. She's gaming the system. Quote, her opposition to voting rights legislation and her seeming ignorance of voter suppression measures in Arizona helped make the playing field much more suitable for conservative-leaning lawmakers like herself in the next election. Cinema hasn't officially said that she's running for re-election next year, but she set herself up to play spoiler in a state where registration by party stands at 35% Republican, 34% Independent, and 31% Democratic. But keeping Arizona blue depends on the Democrat. Well, today, Democratic Representative Ruben Gallego became the first major candidate to jump into the race with a new launch video. And he will join me here tomorrow night. And that is the readout. 